The following audio is from Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas. Our mission, to make and mature disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Fellowship, visit fellowshiptx.org. guys this is uh daniel ward i'm the student pastor here at fellowship i'm here with julian martinez our interim pastor and uh we had another great sunday in uh church uh yesterday yep. and uh i had a little low crowd i think uh <laughs> these increasing covid numbers may have people yeah. a bit freaked out yeah it was a little lower than what we usually expect and yeah and, and some people may uh have seen the video that we posted some people may not have uh but we we segregated a section off in our church for people who um, need to social distance or, or just because they feel, feel more the comfortable need. to do that, right? Yeah. Um, and so we have a section that we're requiring masks. We're uh, enforcing strict six-foot di- uh, guidelines and, and all of that. We have their own entrance, their own hallway, mm-hmm. and they're completely separate from everybody else in the in the room. And uh, that auditorium is pretty big. And so I think if you you know you come in through that entrance and you sit in that section, you probably should be pretty pretty safe yeah. in that area. So if, you, uh, if you're if you listening and uh, you, maybe you didn't realize that, we just implemented that this past Sunday. We only had, I think, what, two people yeah, sitting in that section. Uh, but uh, we want we want people to know that that's available. I know you know all this stuff's going on and people are freaked out about it. Uh, but but also know, too, God is in control. Yeah, always. He's still on the throne. He's still mm-hmm. sovereign over all things. And I know that, that sometimes people look at that and they say, well, you know, you still got to be smart. You still yeah. got to, you still got to do And I get that. But at the same <laughs> time, also know that God is in control, like re- relying on his and his, his sovereignty and his control is our responsibility. Yeah. All of this. And, and, and I'm not saying be stupid and go out and lick doorknobs, but at the same time, <laughs> people doing that don't live. In, oh yeah. They are. <laughs> same time. Don't live in fear. Yeah. Uh, and, and trust God, uh, that, that he has, you know, scripture says there's a time and a point for us to, you know, yeah. t- for our life to end. And, and so I'm not going to allow something like this to really dictate how I live my life. Yeah. And not to get too off because we, we didn't script this. We're not, no, we're, yeah, just, we're, not. <laughs> we're just totally pulling this out. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think about it sometimes like when, when Christians were being persecuted, they met all the time mm-hmm. and they had to meet in secret and, you know, they had yeah. to make sure to, you know, get around things to, and I can imagine somebody saying like, it's not safe out there for yeah. us to meet and we, we need to not do that for right now. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, God has given us this command to equip believers to then go and give the gospel. Right. And, and so, you know, I think it's incredibly important that we continue to do that and that we remember that and we'll take all the guidelines we can, but at the same time, we got to be about mission. Yeah. You know, and, Live about mission and, and mainly my thing is not living in fear. So many people are yeah. afraid, man. They're terrified. They're scared mm. to death of what's going on, and, and we have to remember that that we uh, we don't live by fear, right? Right? Yeah. Christ said that we've not been. He doesn't give us the spirit of fear. That's not where that comes from. That, yeah. That's from the enemy. And so, mm-hmm. if you're living in fear right now, that that's not coming from Christ. That's coming from the enemy. Yeah. And, and so, don't allow that to dictate and control your your life. I'm not saying again. I'm not saying go out and be stupid or whatever. <laughs> right. But but don't don't allow allow that to really dictate how you live your life. Yeah, I agree with you 100. percent Yeah. But it was a good Sunday. I mean, not as many people as we would have liked to have here, but I thought it was you know a good service. Anyways. Oh yeah, it was great service. Um. 
you know, I thought we had a lot of bugs in our system Sunday morning. Yeah. So that was interesting. Uh, but it, but it was, it was a great service and, uh, I enjoyed, uh, your sermon. I enjoyed that. Um, you know, that being able to unpack that text through the lens of, of some of the philosophy and things that you mm. brought into play was, was very cool. I enjoyed yeah. that. So, uh, I have uh, a couple of quotes from your sermon that I pulled some questions from. Um, you had two points at the end and I didn't really pull the questions from that because there were so many other things that you said that really sure. stuck out to me. And so I, that's where I pulled the questions for, uh, for today. And so, uh, the first quote that, that really stuck out to me is you said, we must look to God alone for the solutions to our problems. Yeah. And, uh, I fully agreed that with that, obviously when you said that, but, but it also spurred, uh, something else in my mind. And that while that's, very true. I think it's also true that, that we should look to God alone f- to define the problems themselves. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes we get really wrapped up in, you know, figuring, you know, uh, we determine what the problem is mm-hmm. so that we can then determine what the solution is. Right. And yeah. so um, my question for you is, are we glorifying God by fighting battles that he hasn't called us to fight? You, you know, you kind of talked about the social network warriors out there with yeah. people that are jumping on Facebook and feeling for whatever reason that they have to fight these political battles mm-hmm. online and, and, and really in a often in a in an unloving way a non-Christian oh, yeah. way I mean yeah. there posts like if, if you if you don't like this belief that I have then go ahead and delete me off Facebook <laughs> right and, you know, just like drawing the line out there yeah um, and so are, are we glorifying God by fighting those battles that he hasn't called us to fight yeah, it, it almost seems like passive aggressiveness has taken a whole new level <laughs> <laughs> with putting LOL oh, yeah. at the end of the oh, sentence yeah. or, you know, face. true, I agree with you, but, you know, <laughs> so. That's a good point, but. <laughs> but, uh, no, but uh, honestly, you know, we we cannot glorify God if we're fighting battles that he has not called us to mm-hmm. fight. You know, we get so wrapped up in the here and now, and and we feel like we want to define what truth is and what right and wrong is, right? And 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 we we get on this mode to where we say, I see this happening, and I see this going down, and and then we want to attach this phrase to the end of it. And if Jesus was here, mm. blank. Yeah. If Jesus was here, he wouldn't agree with this. If Jesus was here, he'd take up and link arms with this group and if jesus was here but you know the fact of the matter is you can read all four gospels which is the all the information that we have on jesus's life on this earth and he never did that yeah and 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 that's (laughs) i don't mean to interrupt you but but the kicker is that most people that say that have never read the four gospels yeah (laughs) they don't even know what jesus are talking about yeah Yeah. they they, they have no clue on and and, you know and that sounds a little insensitive but it's true you know that that we we it's just like taking scripture out of context, right? right? It's like the people who quote, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me," and that really is taking it way out oh, of context. Yeah, yeah. And that's not what Paul was saying. No doubt that if God has called us to do a certain thing, He's going to give us the strength to be able to pull it off. Right, that's the way right. it works. But you know, am I going to be able to go out here and lift my truck? You know, you know, and throw it across the field or because, you know, or win a football game mm-hmm. or, or whatever the case is. And so, and so that's kind of the way we're putting Jesus. We're putting this spin on Jesus. Like if he was this social justice warrior who was going out and he, he was, uh, finding these issues that was going on within Jerusalem and, and fighting for them. That's not what he did at all. Right. Not at all. He was about, uh, seeking and saving those who were lost. Right. 
and and he and he was in the temple reading the scriptures and he was trying to help them to understand the mission right that he was the messiah he had come and he and the kingdom was about winning souls mm. to him that's yeah. the gospel right that god created us we fell away from him he had a plan for salvation and the plan was jesus that's the gospel in a right, nutshell right. and so and so and so jesus was about the gospel mm. jesus was jesus was not about fighting social battles right. now uh, he did look at those who everybody had outcasted, and he didn't have a problem giving the gospel to them. Right? Does that and make he, sense? And he, and he loved them. Yeah, absolutely. He yeah. loved them. And I think sometimes that's where the lines get blurred: is is people view the fact that he loved these people as yeah. the fact that he would fight their social battles. But the reality is, is he didn't. He, I mean, look at the the woman caught in adultery. He didn't yeah. really fight no battle there he just said let the first person that he told him let yeah. the first person without sin go ahead and throw the stone yeah if you've never committed this kind of sin is pretty much what he said yeah then go ahead you know you yeah. have every right but then he loved her but he loved her with a purpose too yeah what he say after he was done he said yeah okay no one i don't condemn you either go yeah. and sin no more yeah and actually it's interesting that you bring that up i preached on that text not too long ago it was probably a long time ago now way before the <laughs> pandemic five years ago <laughs> <laughs> but uh it seemed like yesterday no but uh when you read that he, he he doesn't even say go and sin no more he says well then go and don't do this anymore mm. he says where are your accusers and she's like you know, they left he's like okay well go and go and don't be doing this anymore almost like you know you know this wasn't right Right. And then nowhere does it say she was saved. Nowhere right, does right. it say that he kind of picked up the mantle there and started being this warrior for women's rights or, right, right. you know, not that he, you know, didn't think women had rights. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But he never, he never picked up any kind of banner to then push this agenda other than the gospel. Right. It was all about the gospel. And so when we do anything outside of the gospel centrally, then we do not glorify God with that mission. Mm. If I'm going about and making my mission to end whatever injustice that I feel like is happening, well, then now I'm glorifying myself. I'm glorifying that mission and whatever I feel justified in doing and pulling for, not glorifying God. Right. I Be think it's, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No. I think it's a, I think it's kind of a work works based idealism too. Yeah. That, that, we're working towards changing people's behavior rather than changing people's mm -hmm. heart. And again, that's not what Jesus came to do. No, and, and like I said, if you're bent on this mission and waving a banner for something else, then that means you're not waving the banner for the gospel mm. because you can't go backwards. Right. You, we, every, everybody wants to do everybody, people who, who don't have a right understanding and who are maybe more religious than actually genuinely saved. Mm. They want to take a back door. They want to say, well, by me going and standing arms with these people and indirectly I'm giving them the gospel. Mm. There is no indirectly giving them the gospel. No. Paul said it. How will they know unless they hear and how will they hear unless there's a preacher and mm. how is there a preacher unless someone is sent? Meaning you you need to teach them and preach to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how it's not it doesn't happen indirectly. Right. I hate the phrase um, and I can't remember who was credited for saying it but he actually wasn't. Yeah, it says uh, preach the gospel, and if you have to, use words. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so biblically incorrect, it's not even funny. Right, right. Nobody should ever say that. Right. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to use these social issues as an indirect mm. mode to give the gospel when we were never called to do that. Right. So that leads to a follow-up question. Why do you think that we get so caught up in, in problems that aren't ours to fix? Mm, that's a good one. I mean... 
you know, the way I look at it is we want, like I said earlier, we want to determine what's right and wrong in our own minds. Mm. You know, we want to be able to say, uh, I see this as wrong. And because I see this as wrong, I'm going to fight for it. Yeah. You know, and it may be wrong. Yeah. You, you might be totally justified in seeing that as wrong. But like I said, if we go about it indirectly, yeah, then it's never gonna it's never gonna work out. Yeah. And we get so caught up, I think, in the here and now, in that we wanna be these kind of warriors for social justice that we lose sight of the fact that it should be gospel centered. In other words, I can't go and fix something without the gospel. That mm. is not the way it works. If I go and try to fix something with love and with you know goodness, it's not going to stick. It, it's only going to get worse because the the heart of man is 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 uh, is he's a sinner and mm. and we're flawed. And the only thing that repairs that is the gospel. Mm. The only thing that repairs that is is Jesus. And so I think we get caught up with thinking that we have the answers because we we know what's right and wrong, right? right? Look at look at like we said about social media. Everybody's right. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah, I hate this whole pandemic thing because everybody's a physician. Oh yeah, I call them Facebook physicians. Yeah, you know everybody knows everything. Everybody knows that you know the masks do work. Everybody knows that the mask doesn't work. Everybody knows that you know mm-hmm. you name it, and they're experts at it. Oh, yeah. And so and it's they, re- they read a meme on because Facebook. they read a meme on <laughs> Facebook or they're you know using Google incorrectly. And so uh, and so when you think about it, like everybody's right in their own eyes. And Proverbs says the person who mm. thinks he's right in his own eyes is a fool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because the only one that's right is God. Right. And God has told us to go and give the gospel to people who need it. And so uh, and so we want to think we're right. And because we think we're right, we jump on these bandwagons mm. and we get caught up in the mess and the distraction. And we and we and we go out without thinking first, like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Why am I doing this? What's the purpose? What's the ultimate goal? What's the outcome? Yeah. Right. If I can go out here and change some things, what's the outcome? And if it's not giving the people the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you're on the wrong mission. Yeah. hundred percent. I, uh, I think that, that, you know, we get really wrapped up in, in fixing people. We think, or, mm. or, or really fixing behavior, not even fixing. It's sometimes it's not even about fixing people. It's about fixing behavior, people's yeah. behavior, because for whatever reason it offends us. You know? Right. Because again, we've defined what is right or wrong, and so if your behavior offends me, but we have to remember that as believers, again, our our focus is not fixing behavior. Mm-hmm. The the law was there to prove that you can't just fix behavior. Right. right? Yeah. And so when we you know, we look at this lost world that, that is acting lost. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be surprised because of the depravity of man, right? That's exactly right. I heard, I've heard a, a, a saying, wretched, that wretched people will wretch. Right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going <laughs> to, lost people will be, will act lost. And, mm-hmm. and, and rather than looking at that and, and pointing fingers and saying, you shouldn't act that way anymore. Yeah. As believers, we know that they don't, that's not you don't just change behavior, right? The, the gospel has to change a person's heart, which ultimately changes desires, which ultimately ultimately changes behavior. Yeah, it's a process. Yeah, and so I think if, if as believers we could stop focusing on the behaviors mm-hmm. and all this political agenda junk that's out there, yeah, if we could focus on the heart and, and look at people f- as people created in the image of God who need 
the gospel, right? And and then and then live our lives and, and share that. Then then that's what's ultimately going to change people. Yeah, and and we get stuck in these modes. I think like, um, you know, you get the one person who says you need to stop acting like that because that's not right. And the he's talking to a lost person. That lost person don't know. Yeah, their definition of right is totally different than yours. Yeah, and then you have the person on the opposite side that says well, I'm not going to tell them anything that they're doing is wrong and I'm just going to love them. Mm. And then, you know, we've lost it all together right, right. because the fact that we need Jesus is because we're sinners. Right. You know what I mean? And so what I was going with, uh, where I was going with, with that was that, you know, the gospel offends people. Oh yeah. The gospel is definitely offensive. And, and we, and we sometimes don't want to offend people. So we don't give them the gospel. Mm. And that's a total wrong. You know, right. like I, I've talked to people who have uh, friends who are like maybe homosexuals and, and, and they're just like, well, I'm just going to be their friend for now. And I'm like, well, that's great. You know, you want to build that relationship and build that trust. But if you've been somebody's friend who's a homosexual for, let's say, 10 years and you've never given them the gospel and uh, tried to help them to understand what, you know, what God's standard of right is, then what good are you doing them? Mm. It's just like if me and you were friends, we've been friends now for five years. Yeah. If I knew you were cheating on Becca for all five years, what kind of terrible friend would that make me? That I know you're living in sin and that you are apart from God through that sin. Why wouldn't I try to help you with that and say, Daniel, you, you know, it is not right in the sight of God that you, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, uh, because absolutely. we've built that trust in each other. Right. And yet, you know, we have to look at it the same way. Right. All, all sin is the same. And that's just like if I had a friend who was a thief or a pathological liar or whatever, yeah. I would have to at some point say, Man, don't you realize that you are apart from God because of this sin right. and he loves you enough that he wants you to he wants to free you from that sin. Right. And, and so, you know, we got to be careful because we can do the one side where we're just not going to talk about any kind of sin to not offend anybody. And that's not the gospel. Mm. And then we're going to get on the other side. And, and like Jesus said, don't throw pearls in the swine. Right. right? We, yeah. we can't go over there and say, hey, you need to act like this when God hasn't changed our heart yet. Right. So it's a very fine line to walk and balance for sure. Uh, so the next uh, thing that, that I wrote down uh, when you were speaking, you said, be careful who you put on a pedestal. And you were kind of talking about the fact that, you know, that Herod had been yeah. um, put on this pedestal and, and the people were ooing and on over him mm. and, and saying, uh, I don't remember the exact quote. It's but, the voice of a God yeah. and not of a man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so my question to you is, what role do you think the crowd played in, in this account? Like, what is what is their their responsibility in this and why are we so quick to look to a man or an entity to fix our world when Jesus is obviously the ultimate healer? Yeah. I think, uh, the crowd definitely played a big role in that. Uh, we got to remember historically what's going on here, right? That Herod was trying to strong arm these people by withholding food during a famine. Mm -hmm. And so they, they wanted Herod to know that he was the man. You know, we love you, Herod. You know, Herod is the best. Herod's the great, especially right. playing into his arrogance. The crowd understood that they needed something from Herod. And the way to get that from Herod was to show Herod that they loved him. Right. And so it was almost a selfish need, too. Right. And and then on the other hand, that plays right into Herod's arrogance that he wants everybody to love him. He wants everybody to know he's the man. And so he comes at it from that angle. And so we do that, too. Right. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to 2020. We put people on a pedestal and we tell them how much we love them so that we can get what we want from them. Mm. You know, whether you're a conservative or a liberal, you think about politicians. We place the politicians in place to get what we want. 
if I want lower taxes because I'm making money and I don't want anybody to take it from me, right. I put a conservative in there so that way they don't take my taxes. Mm. Does that make sense? Right. And, and and if I you know and if I want more stuff given to me and not have to work so hard for it, then I'll go the liberal bend. And and so we 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 really want to love these people and show them we love them so that way they can give us what right. we want. And we've placed them in these p- way high positions, and then we and then we we kind of. Uh, we 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 brainwash ourselves to say, well, they're gonna fix this problem. Uh, if I put this person, or if I vote for this person, or whatever, they're gonna fix the issues that I'm having problems with because we're looking at it through the lens of this world. We're not looking at it through the lens of the gospel. We're looking at it through the lens of what benefits me and what doesn't benefit me. Right? Yeah. I don't want my kids to grow up in a world where you know gay people can get married or I don't want to my kids to grow up in a world where you know you fill in the blank whatever now I'm not trying to like beat up on you know the gay agenda or whatever that's not what I'm doing I'm just giving you an example right that that we we then want to live in this world that we see it right and then we play into that role by loving on the people that we put in that uh, into that high pedestal and we do them a disservice Mm. right because then, you know, they get puffed up with pride and they feel like they are the savior of this you know, whole. Like I said, every four years we get a new savior right, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on either way. Right. It's going to be he's going to save it all. He's going to change it all. He's going to make a difference and everything. And nothing ever changes. Right. It all stays the same. And so uh, we, we do have a refuge. We do have a salvation. And that's in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I hate that we get so bent on where we are. We're in the United States of America. Big deal. There are people in China. And Christians in China shouldn't be any different than Christians in America. Right. And you don't, you know, and God never called us to this allegiance of our nation. He called us to allegiance of who he is. Yeah. And, and, and that's who we should be putting on a pedestal right. and not man. Right. Uh, you know, I, it kind of makes me think of the fact that I, I can scroll through someone's social media page and quickly find out what political affiliation. Oh, are. yeah. Whether they're a, a Trump supporter or you know, a Trump a hater, Trump hater or <laughs> Biden supporter or whatever, whatever they're at. Yeah. Um, I can quickly, quickly determine that, but, but rarely can I determine whether they're really a believer. Or mm. not. Yeah. I can drive by many people's house and see a flag in there. Right. And, and, and determine real quick, quickly what political affiliate mm-hmm. affiliation they are. And, and people are really quick to share that, you know, because they, again, they've put this person or this platform yeah. as a, as a, on a pedestal to fix all of their problems. And, and really we don't, we don't know, we don't see that they're a Christ father by how they proclaim with their, you know, they're quick to right. say I'm this, but they're very slow to say I'm a Christian. Yeah. Um, and it's not as evident by their behavior or, or whatever. And, and again, I think that's indicative of the fact that in their heart of hearts, the solution for their problems is not Jesus. It's right. that person or that entity. Yeah. Yeah. So getting back to what I was saying, like we want our children to grow up in a world without blank. Yeah. You know, I want to raise my children in our home in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. So that way my children will know right from wrong. Right. So that way my children will know God's standards. And so when we are living in a world that is falling apart because it's going to, the Bible says it is, right. then I can explain to them, this is what we learned about this world and why we don't follow this world. Right. And, and, and we're expecting the world to do the job for us. We're expecting our school systems and we're expecting government and everything to instill these values in our kids so that way they can grow up to be good members of society when that's our job. Yeah. That's our job to do. That's our job to raise them in the love and the admonition of the Lord mm. so that way they know and understand who he is in his law. 
And we've placed these people on a high pedestal to be able to do that for us. Mm. And we should never do that. Yeah. And we're, we're hammering on politicians and stuff like that. But we, we've done the same thing even in our churches. Oh, absolutely. With, with, you know, they're celebrity pastors now. You know, oh, you got, yeah. And, and a lot of people will look at, you know, that pastor who's over this huge church or whatever and think that, that, that the success of that church is due to that guy. Yeah. And, and, and they will look to that guy and praise that guy for all of the things that have happened in, 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 within that church rather than recognizing that the glory is, is God's and God's alone, that he brought life right. to that church, that he brought you know, change in people's lives. And, and, and so it's a dangerous place when we do that. And, we, and we've seen it play out many times. I mean, you and I both know people that have, that have you know, pastors who have gotten this inflated head because the people mm-hmm. are puffing them up and, and then they have this huge moral failure yeah. or, or they just are so arrogant that, that, you know, they can't, you can't be around them anymore, you know? And yeah. so, um, I think it's an incredibly dangerous thing for us to be like the people in this story where we, you know, we look to man and give man the glory rather than giving God the glory for what he's done. Yeah. I don't think the church realizes or understands the complex that we play too, like Herod in the crowd mm. is that for pastors, it's so dangerous that when people love on you and people give you these accolades and everything yeah. and, uh, and okay. So I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I'll be totally transparent and, uh, I don't like to admit it, but I think my like love language is words of affirmation. Uh-huh. I think, I mean, I've never taken the test, but somehow we determined that one time. And usually uh, after a sermon on Sundays, I'll get like the man, you did a good job or whatever, blah, 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 yeah. you know? And I, and I try to usually deflect that, you know, cause I don't want to get puffed up either, you know? And I'll be like, right. Oh, you know, God was glorified and everything, but I didn't have any of that this Sunday. Uh, and it definitely like played a, I don't know, a little trick on my psyche, you know, like, did like, I did job? I not do a good job? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 and it shouldn't matter no, that anybody tells me anything Right. And so uh, and so without, you know, and, you know, I, I, I pray about that and I'm like, God, help me to not feel that way. Right. Help me to not care about that kind of thing, because it doesn't matter. Right. And so but I get it. Oh, I yeah. get how these big mega church pastors can be like, I'm the man. You know, they don't want to take a day off because they're afraid, like, you know, somebody to come in and mess it all up for right. something that they've built. Right. And it's not about what we build. Right. At all. It's all about, and, and, you know, and you look at this growth that these churches have, like, are they making disciples or are they just putting on the show? Mm. You know, people go into the show or are people going to be sold out disciple makers in love with Jesus Christ, mm. yeah. you know, because that's what we want. Even if it's not as many people as the putting on the show people, right? Because we want people sold out. And so both sides have to be careful. The congregation has to be careful not to puff up their pastor I mean, obviously, you can, you know, be at the same time encouraging them. Encourage is, them is, is a good thing. Is a good thing. Yeah, you, yeah. Want, you don't want your pastor to, to feel incredibly discouraged and thinking <laughs> right. that he's terrible. Yeah, but, yeah. But 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 in a way that honors God and glorifies God, mm. and the pastor needs to understand as well. You know, and it's dangerous because a lot of pastors, you're right, they get puffed up and then they fall, and then now the people don't know what to do, and the pastor doesn't know what to do, and it's like nobody was honoring God or glorifying God through yeah. the whole thing. I. Uh, I heard this this interview one time with Francis Chan, who was a uh, big name pastor. Yeah, and uh, he he's written a lot of books and speaking at conferences. And I think for you know we're kind of getting off the topic of the question, but for, but for the pastor in that role, uh, realizing that that's a reality for you, 
Yeah. Because you know, I'm the. I mean, I, I think all pastors deal with that. Yeah. And and so I think uh, for him, he he sees that in himself, and he says he was at a conference one time, and, and you know, his name's on this big screen, and he mm-hmm. sees all these flyers with his picture on it, and and in that moment, he's like. I've arrived, I'm, I'm the man. I've arrived, you know, and then, it, but then immediately he's convicted mm. of it, and he said he, he mourned. You know how he's like real passionate. Yeah, like, very passionate. I mourned. It. Yeah. You know, he gets all like quiet and like you can tell. It sounds like Start he's crying. crying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but you know you can you can see that he really that he really struggles with that, mm. and so um, I think that yeah, people knowing that that's that's a danger for pastors, but also pastors knowing it's a danger and having accountability in their sure. life to, to to help them through that is is key. All right, so um, final quote that I wrote down was you said there at the end, even through the hopelessness, the mission remains the same. And uh, that's a, a beautiful picture of the power of the gospel, that even in the right. midst of chaos and uncertainty, that, that the gospel still moves on because God is in it and, and moves it, and yeah. is, that's what he's all about. And so uh, my question for you is this, how do we remain focused on the advancement of the mission and living for God's glory when the world around us is so messed up. And it, it reminds me of um, the other day, Beck and I were trying to have a conversation. And we're mm-hmm. actually, we were actually talking about something kind of important, and we were trying to you know, talk through it. And, uh, and at the same time, it seemed like all four kids come in there, <laughs> and they're doing that whole, Mommy, 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 <laughs> Mommy, Daddy, Daddy, Mommy, Mommy, Daddy. <laughs> And I'm, I'm trying to ignore them because yeah. we're in deep conversation and I'm trying to like just make it through this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's like, it, I can't because they won't, they won't stop talking. So finally I, I just look at them and I'm like, go away. <laughs> Do not interrupt us while we're talking. We're trying to have a conversation here. Yeah. And, uh, and so they did. And then we go back to talking. So sometimes I feel, I feel like that's how it is sometimes, right? Like we're, we're trying to live on mission, but mm. it seems like everything around us is just screaming at us for our attention. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes it's difficult to continue on without taking a break and acknowledging that there's that distraction. Right. And so, so my question again is how do we remain focused uh, on the mission and not get distracted by those things? So the last verse that I read on Sunday was, it says, but the word of God spread and multiplied. Uh, that was Acts twelve twenty four. You know, think about historically everything going on here. Herod had killed James, uh, and that's a blow to Christianity. I mean, you know, imagine, imagine right now John MacArthur being assassinated. Oh, yeah. Imagine Francis Chan being assassinated. Yeah. Imagine what it would do for one of our churches or our church in general, fellowship, yeah. if me or you were killed. Right. Literally by, by a politician or some king or whatever. Right. Uh, that's devastating. Right. And then he he goes and and arrests Peter. Mm. And Peter, he's dead. He's a dead man. Yeah. That's what everybody sees. And, and there's this persecution going on. And then there's this big crowd and they're they're chanting for Herod and every obviously Luke puts it in there for a reason. Like that's it's ongoing. It's a big problem mm. that there's all these people looking at this guy and they're worshiping this false idol. But at the very end it says, But the word of God spread and multiplied. And I think for the Christian to be focused so much on the word of God and what he has called us to do is how we uh, drown out the distractions. Yeah. You know, are you doing your devotions? Not only that, but are you uh, 
are you um, working intentionally to try to uh, seek the lost to be saved? Yeah. Right. Like we talk about it before. Like I go to the same barber all the time. Right. Right. Because I'm trying to reach him for Jesus. And I could go somewhere else. It might be cheaper or whatever, but that's what I'm trying to do. Right. And uh, or, or when I play golf, you know, I intentionally try to, you know, get around with somebody else I don't know, whatever that kind of stuff is. Right. You know, what kind of intentionality do we have towards the gospel? Right. You know, are we getting out of our house and meeting our neighbors? Are we, you know, are we looking at everything we do through the lens of the gospel? Because if we do, that'll drown out the distraction. Yeah. Because if we do, that means whether my neighbor on the left is a liberal or my neighbor on the right is a conservative, it doesn't matter because I'm going to reach them for the gospel. Right. But what do we do? We usually like, we like hermit crabs. We get in our little circles, even at church, mm. and then we don't get out of those circles. Right. And then we want to blame like introvertism and all this other stuff. And you know, I'm just not outspoken and blah, 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 you know. And God has designed you that way for a reason to right. reach somebody for the gospel. Right. And so if if we are not about the word of God and we are not about uh, looking at everything through a gospel lens, then the distraction is going to take over. Right. Then we're going to look at social injustice and we're going to say, that's the battle to fight right now. Don't you know, having you been on social media, don't you know what's going on in our country mm. that this is where our attention needs to be? And it's not. Right. It never is. Right. Our attention should always be gospel focused through the lens of the gospel and nothing else. And so, you know, we talk about it like like um, like what good does it do you to fix anything if the gospel's not in it? Right. You know, like we talk about abortion, how bad it is, you right. know, and we want to stop abortion. We want to stop babies from getting killed. But if we're not talking to their mothers about Jesus Christ and nobody's getting saved through it, what good would it do us? Right. What good would it do us? That's why, like the like you were saying, the hope ministry is so important. Uh, hope Clinic. What's it called? The, yeah, the Hope Clinic. In, yeah, the uh, Hope Beaumont. Clinic in Beaumont. You know, they give the gospel to, to pregnant mothers who are considering abortion. Like yeah. Melissa gets a text message. Uh, every time somebody's considering abortion, they send it out with like a verse. One day her phone was blowing up. And that means every single text, there was a person who was thinking about abortion. And so you had all this network of people praying for them and, and the people at the clinic giving them the gospel. That's the point. You know, why would I go out and try to fight any kind of social battle without the gospel? Right. It's not going to work. And so we allow these distractions to take precedence over what Jesus has already called us to do. Right. Jesus does want us to attack issues within the people's hearts. And then from there, their hearts will change. And if their hearts change, then their attitudes change. If their attitudes change, their behavior change. And that and that in, in itself fixes the issue. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, f- I fully agree with that, that we get, again, we kind of talked about this a while ago, but we get so wrapped up on the behavior and wanting to, mm-hmm. we want to end abortion. I mean, yeah. that's a great example. Yeah. Uh, because, of course, that's a that's a a thing that is so prevalent in society and it's so wicked, of course we want that to end. Yeah, it's a worthy it's cause. It's a worthy cause. But but just changing laws doesn't really fix the problem. No. And, and we should mourn the fact that the mother that's going in there doesn't know Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Right? As believers, we, we, we're not called to fix her behavior. We're called mm-hmm. to present the gospel to her and allow God to change her heart. How much more value is in it that, that she doesn't desire that anymore? Yeah, that's exactly rather right. Rather than just saying you can't do it. Yeah. If we change the law, 
then we change their ability to do it. We don't change their hearts or their desire to their want desire to do it. Their desire to do it. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that's, what's, that's, I think, what is the answer to this question. How do we continue to stay gospel-focused is by looking at the heart of people and changing their desire to, to, to do what it is that they're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's looking at it through the lens that God yeah. looks through, right? He says he looks at the the heart of man, right? Mm-hmm. Not he doesn't look at the outside; he looks at the heart of man. Yeah, and it's not going to happen systematically, right? It's not going to happen. No, it, it's not something we can put in the water and everybody drinks it. Yeah, it's not. It's not programmatic. It's <laughs> yeah. not. You can't legalize it. I right. mean, it's it, it, it just it's is impossible what it is. to do that. And so, uh, you know, if if you want to end racism, start getting to the hearts of people. Mm, yeah, you know, if you want to end police brutality start getting to the heart of these cops yeah you know if you want to end some of these looters and riots start getting to the heart of who they are yeah and that's the way we do it right through the heart and and it's never going to be systematic right because people are always going to break laws or always going to break rules because we are wretched because we are depraved because we are sinners at heart right and so i think you know to remain focused on the word if we remain focused on the word and the gospel it will multiply and our and and our and our and things will get better in a sense for who we're trying to reach because yes. things aren't going to get better societally no, no, no. or culturally it's not going to happen no. it's been written biblically that this world's going to fall apart well and and to, and to have this perception that that we're going to save the world is inconsistent with scripture right that's Jesus exactly said there's, right there's this wide gate and most people that's the direction they're going at least to destruction and there's this narrow gate and only few are going to enter by it and that's the gate that leads to life and so for us to expect that all of america is going to come to know christ or <laughs> christian nation yeah is unrealistic jesus told us that's not going to happen that's not even the goal that's don't the don't goal. focus on that yeah one at a time one at a time one at a time reach one for the gospel focus on one person and allow god to change their heart and do that one at a time and, and you will make a difference ultimately in in that person's life and the people that they influence later on even in their communities yeah which is huge yeah. but 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 the reality that we're going to change the world is not and it's not our it's not our fight it's not no. what we've been called to do no it's not you know if you imagine you know we used to have about 200 people here on campus if yeah. all 200 people were to reach one person wow for Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then and then those, you know, it quickly becomes thousands and thousands right. of people living in Mid County who are sold out for Jesus. Right. And won't that change Mid County? Radically. Yeah, radically. radically. And so that's that's the answer. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you guys for uh tuning in and uh we will see you guys this Wednesday. We're back to normal yeah. programming and uh, so we'll have student ministry going and, and kid programming going. And we'll have our uh, Wednesday worship service going uh, in person, not on a camera. And so uh, (laughs) excited about that. Yeah, 6 o'clock this Wednesday rather than 7. And so we'll see you guys then. You guys have a blessed day. Thank you so much for listening today. And we always welcome you to join us at Fellowship Baptist Church in Nederland, Texas, where we gather, grow, give, and go.